Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a former Major League catcher. Before beginning his professional career, he played college baseball for the Long Beach State Dirtbags. He was drafted by the Chicago White Sox in 2011 Major League Baseball Draft. He fulfilled his lifelong dream when he made his Major League debut with the Seattle Mariners on September 1st, 2017. He was the Mariners' opening day catcher this season, but what many fans did not know was he once struggled with an eating disorder that threatened his ability to play the sport he loved so much. As a teen, while in high school, he developed an eating disorder that eventually led to inpatient treatment and recovery. He's been open about his personal experience with an eating disorder to inspire others, especially men and boys, to seek the help and support they deserve. This past month, he stepped away from the game he loved so much and will be taking a position with the National Eating Disorders Association to continue to help those who are struggling. It is an honor to welcome Mike Marjama to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's absolutely our pleasure. And this topic hits home for many reasons, especially for me. As many of you know, my daughter, who is a year younger than Mike, also suffered from disordered eating and also... Uh, after her recovery, she dedicated herself to helping others as well. So I'm well aware of the toll an eating disorder takes on a family. I also know that the stigmas attached to the disease are often mischaracterized as a woman's issue. But approximately one in three people struggling with an eating disorder is male. Eating disorders will affect 10 million males in the U.S. at some point in their lives. As we mentioned, your struggle began in high school. Can you tell our audience about some of the thoughts that would go through your mind that fueled that struggle? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I think it really started um, even before high school, uh, you know, even elementary school. And, and really for me, the, the culmination of, of, I guess, the, a lot of disordered eating um, and habits of eating disorders really stemmed in, in junior high school. Um, at that time, uh, you know, puberty starting to uh, come into effect, uh, boys and girls maturing at different times. And I remember at that time, there wasn't a lot of information that was out there in terms of uh, really health of of what was okay and what wasn't okay what was healthy and wasn't healthy and and so for me as i remember seeing kids carrying around abercrombie bags and those were huge back in the day kids would bring their lunch in with them with an abercrombie bag and they always had a, a male model with their shirt off i remember girls just fantasized about about the guys on those bags and for me i was like you know what well if i want a girlfriend that's what i got to look like so um i decided that if i didn't eat anything I wouldn't get fat, and if I worked out a ton, I would just get big and strong. And that's how I rationalized it. And uh, so that ended up kind of consuming my life, and uh, I went that route. And when I didn't see any results, I figured I was doing it wrong, so I needed to eat less and then work out more, and it became a uh, continual spiral. So, so the sport that really got you going this also was not baseball but wrestling. And you read about, hear about, look about kids especially, and even professional boxers trying to, quote, make weight. So how, when you look at that and you see now, and kids talk about they want to make weight to compete in a certain weight class, what type of reaction do you have? And how did the, the desire to make weight affect your eating? Um, you know, so I think those things are, uh, for me, uh, wrestling was a way, as I was never a diehard wrestler. What it did for me is it, it, it kind of taught me some skills uh, to cut weight. And so I started implementing that into what my I wanted to see for my own goals, which was a, a physique that was very unrealistic. And so 
Uh, we, we see it now. There was a, a recent incident where a gentleman down in uh, Stockton, I believe it was Stockton, uh, it was a big fight coming up for USC, and, and he was hospitalized um, right before the fight, and the fight wasn't able to go on because of basically him going into some drastic measures. So um, this isn't something that's, that's uh, crazy new, right? This is things that have been going on forever. If you watch, like, uh, you know, the Rocky movies, you know, and you watch, you know, Rocky's already a fight, you watch this training regimen that goes in, um, for me, those things are okay if they're done to a, a science, and I think that's something you see now in baseball, you see it in football, you see it in some in sports. Is you're starting to see how the medical side of um, really the trainers and they're bringing in many specialists to really um, show kids and not only kids but now professional athletes um, how to fuel your body to perform at a at its optimal level um, and. I guess I kind of misspoke there, but you don't see that much for kids. And I hope that's what maybe I can do is provide is maybe just a role model to say, hey, you know, I did things wrong, and, uh, you know, here's how I've learned how to do them healthy. You're featured in an outstanding short documentary on LeBron James' uninterrupted platform. Two things that jumped out at me uh, was that you mentioned that you're a perfectionist and also have OCD. How much did those two traits contribute to your illness? Oh, a ton, a ton. Um, you know, I think, as you would know, um, you know, we're not really talking about an eating disorder as being really genetic, but, but the, the traits that are characterized with disorders, with eating disorders, are very much, uh, are very much genetic, right? Perfectionism, kind of obsessive compulsiveness. Uh, you know, a lot of these things that we see that are, um, that are tied to genetics would definitely be a, a key indicator. So for me, those things are something that, like, my dad has to have all his ducks in a row, um, you know, there are chickens at their house in the backyard, and if, you know, a chicken comes and kicks a piece of bark up on the, on the walkway, you know, my dad immediately, you know, goes in a, in a fit and has to brush it off and whatnot. And so I took the same way, and, and I'm very diligent when I do things. So one thing that I always like to say is that uh, my perfectionism, my obsessiveness, is, is really my best friend. Uh, that's what allowed me to get to the major leagues. I wasn't the greatest player, um, but I was willing to outwork everybody, and I was willing to, to really uh, obsess and, uh, and try to perfect my craft. Um, but it's also taken me down some dark, dark, dark roads. So um, it's something that, for me, uh, you have to learn how to cope with and control and um, you know, not let it control you, so to speak. The other thing that jumped out at me in the documentary, it talked about a, you talked about a particular Thanksgiving with your family. Could you share that story with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this was, uh, I had gone through, and I had gone through basically every eating disorder. I, I went through a, a binging phase, went through uh, a bulimia phase. I mean, I, I went through the whole entire uh, gamut of all of them. And really, it all culminated in a Thanksgiving dinner where my mom made this big elaborate meal, and I ended up putting a, only a, a few baby carrots and a, and a few almonds on my plate. And I remember thinking back at the time, and I was like, you know, that's, why would I do that? Um, but at the time, I was so malnourished that really my brain wasn't functioning properly, and I thought it was just okay. Like, that's how I'm going to get to my, my goal and of getting this physique. And so my mom really looked at me and was like, that's the last straw. So um, she put me into a uh, – uh, she got me as a trainer, and when they said eat more food, I'd eat less food and, and didn't really listen to him. And then I saw a counselor and ended up losing a significant amount of weight over a, a day or two period and uh, then was, was hospitalized. 
You know, I know that one of the things that helped my daughter to recover was that while she was in treatment, she saw so many people having to leave because their insurance didn't cover it. And additionally for her, there was no real um, role model of what recovery looked like. So she wanted to make that change. She wanted to, to start an organization which would help fund, you know, treatment for people that were getting kicked out and also to kind of show that this is what recovery looks like. And in order to do that, she needed to recover herself. So that fueled her desire to, to get better. Um, I also know from that time when she suffered and picking her up at different treatment areas and, and things that there were very rarely you know, boys in the waiting room um, or in the program. So I'm wondering um, if this was somewhat of a case for you that being in inpatient and, and looking around or outpatient and seeing no other, you know, guys your age, was that something in the back of your mind, say, you know, I, I need to get better and help others because there are more like me out there and there's no role model for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there, there are a few points I'll, I'd like to bring up on that one is, is yes, because, you know, you imagine being in a treatment, uh, you know, say at an outpatient program and all of a sudden, um, you know, I was the only, I was the only male in there. And now it's, um, you know, as you know, like menstrual cycles are often, uh, stunted and, and thrown off because of an eating disorder of malnutrition. Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, be talking about a, a menstrual cycle, and I'm like, well, guys, I just want a six-pack. Like, this isn't me. You know, so it was very hard for me to sit there and go, like, okay, this is, I don't, I'm not relating to this. So, um, and I really wasn't as concerned with, like, the scale or numbers. And, and oftentimes where a lot of the, the girls would be concerned about what the scale was saying, whether they were, you know, maybe 100 pounds versus 101 pounds. And I was like, I don't care what I weighed. I just wanted to have a six-pack. And so for me, it was, it was very hard um, to go through those things and be able to relate to somebody. And from my understanding, I think I'm the first professional male athlete to come out and say they've had an eating disorder. Um, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's from what people have been telling me. And, and it's surprising to me because I know there are more. Um, not only fellow teammates, but um, you know, former teammates, but I've had people on Instagram and Twitter and all these uh, social media sites that I can't even count have said, hey, I've, I've had an eating disorder for 30 or 40 years and I haven't been able to tell anybody. Um, so I think the numbers, first and foremost, are off on, on how many males have them. And I think it's, it's pretty incredible to see that, um, that even in sports um, and people trying to really achieve anything, they will do almost anything. So um, it's a very, it's a very sensitive subject for males to come out on. It's very emasculating, uh, but hopefully, I can break that stigma. Well, it's also interesting because you you mentioned something when we were talking about the Thanksgiving uh, meal, and, and that you were so malnourished and, and you didn't know any better. And, and unfortunately, you know, being more educated in this field than I, I would ever want to be, um, one of the things is that you know when your body hits that level of malnutrition, they actually did a you know um, a study with conscientious objectors back. I think it was called the Pittsburgh experiment, and they they starved them and found that you know it took them 30 days from when they got back to a a weight which you know kind of stabilized them for them to start. You know they they did baseline studies, so you know you mentioned there are lots of athletes out there that have eating disorders and I guess the question is is a like when did you realize that hey I'm not an athlete training to get better in baseball I have a problem like guys will train hard to to get in their best physical shape and if they start getting malnourished 
they don't realize that they have a problem. So when did you realize that you've crossed over from training to be the best athlete you possibly could be to knowing that, hey, I have an issue here? Yeah, well, there, there are a few factors in that. Um, I think the initial factor would be when I went to inpatient program, uh, and there were you know kids that had, uh, and at that point for me was like an emergency. Uh, so it was kids that tried to commit suicide or overdose, and I remember being you know a facility with no doors. I remember being put in the facility, going like, "You guys, I'm not trying to kill myself. I just want a six pack." And I then realized it wasn't until someone really started. One of the counselors pulled me aside and kind of explained to me. She goes, "No, no, no this is how significantly you are." hurting this is how bad you know you're having um you know heart arrhythmias you're having you're having many medical symptoms that are that are threatening your life here and that's how bad you are and so it started hitting me then but even when i got to outpatient i was like okay like this is okay it's great but i wasn't really relating um but really the sports scene really tied to me and a gentleman his name is andy mckay he was my head coach in junior college um He's now the player development director for the Mariners, and, and his big thing was talking about the mental game, talking about how you can help control your play through your mind. And so we started working on you know, positive affirmations, uh, maybe being in the present moment. So all these great like, coping skills and things you learn for baseball started tying into what my coping skills I learned in recovery were. And so really through the sports psychology scene, that's where I really started um, getting into seeing that, hey, I can improve from this. Um, but that sports psychology scene also was really probably the contributing factor saying, look, like, I'm not doing this. For a long time, I wasn't doing this to get better at baseball. I was doing this because I wanted a six-pack. So um, I started seeing those uh, kind of the, the correlation between uh, those two factors playing there. Um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a pretty trying time. In the off-seasons, when you weren't yeah. playing ball, you do some substitute teaching. And you're yep. looking at high schools. And what did you do? How did you react when you saw kids who were heading down that same path that you were? What did you? What could you do? What did you try to do to stop them? Well, I think there are a few things. Um, for maybe someone like myself, it's very hard to tell. Um, it's very hard to tell because when I go back and say that, you know, people look at pictures. I know a lot of, um, you know, whether being on going on on many shows now, it's, people are like, well, can we get a picture from then? And you send them a picture, and they're like, well, what about from the time you had Enos order? And you're like, well, no, that's the time. I look like a normal kid, but the things going on inside my head definitely weren't normal. And so it's it's hard to tell, I think, at certain times. Um, but you know, you have a question, maybe you raise a question. I give a, I like doing a, you know, motivational speeches and speaking and, and being a keynote speaker at events. It's something I love doing because. I love connecting with people, and so I do a lot of, of talks in front of the students or, or big gatherings, and, uh, you know, you can ask a question of, you know, maybe an experience with a girl twiddling your thumb to burn calories, and, and you know, a girl will definitely know, and, and, uh, and you don't see that as much in young boys right now, but they, uh, when you do, you try to offer them kind of insight and confidence, and, and really for me, is being a substitute teacher is the hardest thing ever because you're there for a day. Um, so I don't ever like to, I can't really teach them the, the biggest, um, you know, lesson, lesson and say that it's going to change them. Uh, but hopefully all I can do is just create a relationship with them. So uh, every day I go into substitute teach during an off-season, it was always to try to create a relationship with the kids. So if they ever had something going on in their life, um, they would be willing to come up to me and talk to me about it and just know, like, hey, you know, this guy's a cool dude. <laughs> let me go. Let me go talk to him because, you know, hopefully he can share some wisdom and, and, and help me out. If anything, I'll just, it can just fall on some ears, and I'll love listening to some of those kids. So uh, that's all I really try to be for them. We're talking with former Major Leaguer Michael Marjomer. 
Uh, Michael, this is, uh, I guess, obviously each case is different, but it, it, I find it ironic that, you know, what you wanted was the six-pack abs, so you'd be more popular with girls. But what the disorder takes away from you um, kind of you know, puts you in isolation. You said you hit it. So a lot of guys or, or girls, when they're in the throes of the disorder, won't go out socially because they don't want other people to see how little they're eating. You know, it, so I'm wondering, did you go through that isolation? And was there, you know, in my daughter's case, it was a high school track coach who, who said, mm, you know, something's off here. Um, you know, was there anyone in your world that said, listen, you know, other than that Thanksgiving meal, was there someone that also said something's not right here? No, no. Uh, no one saw it as being off because, and I'll say it this way, it, it's hard right now because the, the male side of this disorder is very, very different. Not, not very different. I believe it, it's, it's not really, I, I still think it's at its beginning stages. Um, you know, a great example is if I were to work out really, really hard. So people would see that I would go to the, 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 uh, the local health club and I would throw on a few sweatshirts and sweatpants, go on the treadmill and just run, run, run. And people are like, oh, my gosh, look how much of a hard worker he is. He must really want to play baseball. Right. And I wasn't doing it. No one ever asked me. They go, well, are you running? You know, or they say, are you running? Yeah, I play baseball, whatever. I'm not going to tell them I'm doing unhealthy things to try to get to a certain goal. So, um, you know, and that was, I think, the hardest part was when people see a male and they go, wow, this guy's working really, really hard. Um, they think you're just doing it to be better at your craft, especially in sports. Um, we, you know, we even see it now. Look at the supplement industry. I think by 2020, 2022, the dietary supplement industry is projected to be like $220 billion. Like, I, I truly believe this is one thing that I'm very passionate about is, is we have, especially in, in athletes and just in gen, the general population, is supplements, say like a protein or anything like that, or a creatine, which have been proven to, to, to be of aid, are also supplements are now becoming the diet, right? So, Something that would supplement your diet has now become the diet. So now, uh, you know, with the age of Instagram and social media and people believing they become, uh, you know, bodybuilders and, and uh, fitness models, um, you know, really you're starting to see a lot of people that are turning to use um, supplements as a way to get there. So instead of eating some sort of a balanced, healthy meal, they will have uh, three protein shakes a day and that's it. Um, so I think that those are things that you start seeing in males as well. Um, which is very alarming to me, um, and really an obsession, um, you know, of, of, of really of an over-fascination of food right now. So it's an intriguing time to, uh, to look into how, how eating disorders uh, are affecting males, especially as, as this information age is, is really upon us with, with social media and the Internet and, and really, uh, I guess, people wanting results right away. It's also interesting because in the eating disorder community, there's no real consensus of, you know, what, quote-unquote, recovered is. How do you define recovery? You know, so recovery for me is, is being able to go throughout your day and your everyday life without being consumed by your eating disorder, your thoughts. So, um, you know, for me, is my recovery was, was really being able to not have to avoid um, those things like you talked about before, right, social gatherings. Um, hey, we're going to Italians. I remember the Atkins diet was big for me, uh, big back then, and the South Beach diet. And remember their first thing was really like eliminating carbohydrates. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, they're going to uh, an Italian food restaurant. I can't go. 
And so, it, like you talked about the isolation, it really ruined my social life. So for me, being in recovery was all about just really being able to be back to where I could go throughout my day without being consumed by my thoughts of an eating disorder, where I was able to not have to think about it, not have to think about what I'm eating or why I'm eating or, or not even that, or overworking out. Um, you know, are there times that I, you know, do I, as being an athlete, I've, I've thought about uh, what I eat, why I eat it, when I eat it? Yes, absolutely, because that has to help me perform at an ideal level. Um, but at the same time, um, I never wanted to be consumed by it. And so for me, um, you know, that was the biggest thing for me is uh, I don't know if I don't know if there's ever a point where um, you get to where certain thoughts don't come in your head, like the perfectionism, obsessive thoughts, those ever come into your head. But um, I now have some great skills and routines and, and coping mechanisms that I can always fall back on to, uh, to help me on those everyday times when, um, you know, something may come up. You know, your lifelong dream was to become a Major League Baseball player. After making the majors, you play 15 games, you walk away from the game you love to help others. How does the feeling you get from helping someone who's struggling compare to that of hitting a home run off, let's say, Jose Alvarez at night in Angel Stadium? You know, for me, um, that's great. I'll, I'll say one of, the, one of the things that really kind of struck me was um, I've had a few concussions recently. I ended up having a, I had a pulmonary embolism um, two years ago, and I should probably be on blood thinners, but didn't disclose that to some teams. And, and there are a lot of things that I was chasing, and I've, got, I've, gotten to do, um, I've gotten to do almost all of them. I've been able to hit a home run. I've been able to, to catch King Felix on opening night you know, in front of 50,000. That, that was incredible. And face Kluber. I mean, I've, I've been able to do so many great things in the game of baseball, which is awesome, but you know, there's really time as I had a concussion, um, I'll say about a month and a half back. And, and as I was getting back, I ended up um, throwing on my back. I strained a muscle in my glute. Now all of a sudden it's like I'm, i got to go to rehab. So they're sending me to a, a rehab up in Everett. We're working with a rookie ball kids, so kids that have just signed to play in professional baseball. And, you know, being a, a former, you're being a big leaguer, everyone is trying to ask you questions. And I really enjoyed working with the kids and not really, you know, I, I didn't actually even play a game there. I just, I, the kids would come up to me and be like, hey, well, what about this? What about that? And I found myself really enjoying teaching the game of baseball. And it's something that even strikes me is when I substitute teach or, or work with young kids. Is, it's something that, that strikes me is I love doing it. I love, I love helping out uh, kids because I know how hard it was for me when I was in junior high and when I was in high school and how difficult those times were for me. Um, I can only imagine now with I just seen it with my little sister with social media being such a big part of the of the uh, really of the kids of those ages. So um, I love giving back. Um, you know, I don't know if there will be ever a time that I look back on my baseball career and say, you know, maybe an opening night start wasn't my favorite. Um, you know, that was pretty incredible. Um, but I'll say saving saving. Being able to talk with kids and being able to talk with people like you guys on it, uh, you know, doing it daily, it's something that I really enjoy doing because, um, you know, I, I've always found a, I've always had a passion for helping people. And I always found that really just spreading what you have is, is one of the greatest gifts you have. And that's what makes this a, um, you know, what makes humanity such a special thing. Well, you know what? 
we always say you are what you are on the back of your baseball card, but for a catcher, I don't know. We'll have to add a saves category on your card. We really appreciate your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for being there for so many who need help and working hard to remove the stigma that exists for those suffering with eating disorders. Uh, personally, from someone who had a family member who suffered, I really appreciate it and hope that you know there are more people like you that come forward to help um, in the fight against this horrible disease. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Mike Marjum, a former catcher for the Seattle Mariners, current positive role model to millions.